How are we doing? Good to see all of you here in the live studio audience and those of you who are online. I checked Facebook earlier. There's a number of you out there. So glad you could join us. Uh, if this is your first time here or even if you've been here before, welcome to Thrive Church. We are so happy that you decided to spend your morning with all of us. And whether you are here or you are at home still in your jammies, that's okay. God is no respecter of distance. We declare that we are gathered in his name so we know that he's here and we know that he's with you as well. <clears throat> so back in about February of 2020, remember that? The time before the masks, right? Um, back in, in February of 2020, uh, I mentioned something that I learned about this virus that was in China. Some of you recall that. And uh, I did my best to try to kind of prep everybody, and, and I think I said something about buying masks and maybe a little extra toilet paper and all that kind of stuff. I had no idea that almost a year and a half later, uh, we're still dealing with it uh, and its variants. <laughs> and in a much more divisive environment. No idea that that was going to occur. I, I, didn't, I didn't expect some of that, and all of this has evolved over a period of time. And, and maybe you'll remember, too, that back in, in the summer of 2020, actually it was in August, if I remember correctly, um, we started talking about uh, emotions. And the fact that we were all feeling a little odd, and that was normal. And we wanted to, to deal with some of the emotions that we were feeling um, as, as the whole pandemic kind of, I was going to say crescendo, but it really didn't cr crescendo. It just <laughs> continued to build. Um, and people were feeling all sorts of different things, and, and we came across an article, if I remember right, that said, look, if you are feeling a little strange, that, that's okay. You're in good company. Everybody's feeling that to a certain extent. And uh, if you remember, we talked about how um, emotions are, are God-given, and they're designed to try to help us understand what's going on in the world. So, for instance, if you're angry about something, it signals a blocked goal, some type of an obstacle. And, and you can probably think of this um, from examples in your own life. If you are trying to get from point A to point B and somebody cuts you off in traffic, you immediately unleash your wrath. I know you do. Because uh, I've seen other people do it and I've seen me do it, right? We, we all have this um, propensity, I would say, to kind of let fly when we get angry because we have certain goals in mind. And sometimes we don't even realize it's a goal and we get all angry about it. So here's, here's one of the great things you can do is if you find yourself getting angry, you need to ask yourself, what goal do I have that's being blocked? And very often you'll find that that thing that's, that you're flaring over has something to do inside of you. It has nothing to do with the person that you think you're mad at. Right? So anger signals a blocked goal. <clears throat> Anxiety signals an uncertain goal. It means you're not, you're not certain about something. You're not certain how uh, a, a series of events is going to work out, whether it's going to be um, uh, in, your, uh, in your favor or not. Or sometimes, and I've noticed this a lot, is that anxiety, we're uncertain about how someone else is going to react. That builds a lot of anxiety in people. 
Um, we're just not sure how this is going to go. And so if you're feeling anxious about something, <coughs> um, figure out, try to figure out what it is that you're uncertain. Now, you may not be able to uh, diagnose exactly what that is, but you're going to have a general sense about it. And that's a great thing to pray over and say, Lord, I'm uncertain about this, whatever this is for you. Uh, please help me with that. So uncertainty. Uh, I would also um, make mention that anger usually happens about something that has happened in the past, and anxiety is almost always something that happens that you're worried about in the future, right? So it depends on what direction you're looking at. So ang ang uh, anger and anxiety, two major emotions that we all kind of deal with. The third one is depression, and, and I don't mean clinical depression. And I, I always have to put a caveat on this because this word gets tossed around uh, a lot. Uh, clinical depression typically means that there's something that's going on chemically within the brain. That's not what I'm talking about here. Um, depression in the sense of situational depression um, or what we might uh, term deep sadness. And that sig signals an impossible goal. And it's a really important thing to remember. It's, it's not something that you can achieve, and so there's a certain amount of grieving that goes on. There's a certain amount of sadness over it. So if you're experiencing this type of situational depression, very often it is connected to something that you just simply can't achieve. It's just not something you're going to be able to do. So depression signals an impossible goal. <coughs> now, um, I want to talk about this one very briefly, uh, and I may have mentioned this in the past, but I think it, it, it's worth talking about again. Uh, I was um, discussing this with my eldest daughter at one point. We were talking about, you know, things like goals and things that you want to achieve in your life. There are, there are some things that are just going to be impossible for you to do, and I know that right now it's real popular to say, hey, you can do anything you put your mind to. And the short answer is, yeah, I do think that we are more formidable as people than, um, than perhaps we give ourselves credit for. But I'm sorry. I am a middle-aged white guy who's carrying just a little bit of extra cargo. It doesn't matter how hard I try or how hard I work, I'm never going to play for the NBA. I'm just not going to play for the NBA. And so that's an impossible thing, and I just need to let that one go. I have to, I got to Elsa that one. You know what I mean? Elsa, let it go, let it go, right? I got to do that. Sometimes there are goals that we have, whether we under, understand that they're goals or whether we don't, whether they're tacit, whether they're just something that we harbor inside of us. And if we find ourselves getting depressed about certain things, very likely is we're grieving the fact that we'll never be able to accomplish that. That's not necessarily a bad thing. That's a signal for you that you probably need to change directions a little bit. Is this beginning to make sense? So I, I, I felt like we really needed to, to kind of go over this again because emotions are, are God-given. They're signals, and they help us understand the world as it kind of unfolds in, in front of us. Now, the thing of it is we might interpret them incorrectly. We can interpret our emotions incorrectly, but the fact of the matter is is that we have emotions and God's not going to take them away. And so sometimes you have to em actually embrace the emotion, try to figure out what the signal is in order for you to move past them. So they help us understand life as it is right now. And so the Christian task, I think, is uh, how do we manage them in light of a God who loves us? 
That, that becomes the, the ultimate, um, I think, expression of stewardship because we have to steward our lives and our emotions. Now, it seems to me that m- most of us, I think most of us, over the course of the last year and a half, um, have settled into a generalized state, kind of a state of being. Because you, you got to operate, right? I mean, you still have to live your life in, in spite of the fact that things have changed. N- no, we don't go out to eat as much as we used to, and, and we definitely shop differently, right? I think that um, I've seen more Amazon trucks in my neighborhood in the last, prob- well, since Christmas time. Oh my gosh. They're just, they're just kind of all over the place. I'm sure your neighborhoods are, are the same way too. And it's almost like the, the, when we talk to other people or we even look in the mirror, there's this idea that I'm, I'm okay, but I'm not great. Is that resonating with you just a little bit? I'm, I'm okay. There's nothing necessarily you know, wrong, but I'm not, I'm not really great either. And there's this kind of general malaise over people as, as I meet them. Uh, every now and then you find the anomaly who's just, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed all the time, and that's just a f- either a function of their personality or pharmaceuticals. I don't know <laughs> what it is that causes that, but you've got some folks that, that are normal like that. But I think most people, they feel okay, but they just don't feel great. Um, Pastor James said this, and, and I, it, it struck me way back, I don't know, early on in the pandemic, um, I think it's still appropriate today. He's like, yes, you have to think about the future, but it's not like you can really plan. And I'm like, yeah, I still feel that way to a certain extent. I mean, I think it's a little easier to make plans now, but it's still, it's not the easiest task in the world, even though you have to think ahead, and we, we all have to do that. There's this interesting phenomenon that has occurred. Um, I came across an article not too long ago, and it really kind of struck me. Um, but... There's this thing called um, revenge procrastination. Have you heard about this? Revenge procrastination. And uh, it's when you subconsciously attempt to steal back time for yourself. And it's, it's the reason why you uh, keep scrolling through your phone endlessly instead of turning out the light. It's the reason um, you click another YouTube video instead of working on that project that you've been meaning to get to. Um, It's the reason why you watch just one more episode on Netflix instead of going to bed. Now is it resonating with you a little bit? It's a thing. There was actually some studies done where uh, they took a group of people and they realized how much time that they were spending doing mindless activities uh, that wasn't any necessarily any benefit to them, but they were trying to steal back some of the time that they feel like they lost um, in, their, in their lives. And I've noticed that this has occurred, at least more so, you know, during the pandemic and, and uh, uh, as we try to figure out what normal looks like. I don't really know that anybody's actually done that. But there's this I- idea here of a, a new normal, and you get a lot of folks who are researching this and, and writing about it. This general state that most of us feel, this, this sense that I'm okay, but I'm not great. 
And there's actually a word for it. Believe it or not, there's a word for this feeling that we have. It's called languishing. Languishing. (laughs) The only time I actually ever heard this word used that I recall was in a movie, the famous Christmas movie, Die Hard. And yes, it's a Christmas movie. When the uh, arch-villain Hans Gruber talked about his brothers in arms languishing in prisons around the world. I don't know why that phrase sticks with me, but he used the word languishing, and I thought it was cool. Languishing. And frankly, I had to look it up. I had to understand kind of what this word meant. Um, it, it means lacking vitality or uh, forced to remain in an unpleasant situation. Yep, kind of like us, right? You're in that set of circumstances that you don't really care for, and yet you kind of have to live with them. And, and we do different things to try to ease that burden a little bit, whether it's revenge procrastination or whether it's um, you know, some other activity that you're doing that you, you feel like you're, you've got some control over it. Everyone kind of has been going through that. turns out that psychologists actually put this between the idea of flourishing and depression, or this idea of deep sadness. So if you can kind of think on a continuum, uh, you've got this idea of flourishing, where you're doing great, you know, things are going your way. It doesn't mean you don't have setbacks, but just overall, you've got a general sense of optimism that's going on. We're on the depressive side, and again, not clinical depression, but you've got this notion that, you know, things are sad and they're not going your way, and languishing fits somewhere in between there, probably a little bit more on the, on the, on the, the, the sadness side of the spectrum. Does this make sense? You kind of have this, this I, I'll call it a spectrum because I can't think of anything else. And in, in from a psychological term, it's really a dulling of delight. Isn't that interesting? Dulling of delight or dwindling of drive. Yeah. How many of you got some projects around the house that you you probably could have done during the pandemic because you weren't, you know, as busy as you used to be, and yet they're still undone, sitting there, reminding you that you haven't done them yet, (laughs) right? But there's just no drive for it. And you don't find um, quite a a bit of, of happiness in the things that you used to enjoy doing, and it's languishing. I think, I think that's a great way of describing this, this notion that, you know, we're all sort of feeling that I'm okay, but I'm not great. I'm just not quite there yet. Now, there doesn't seem to be a great usage of this word in the Bible. Doggone it, I wanted to go and look it up and just know exactly what to do, right? Because Jesus used a parable and he used the word languishing in it, and nope, it's not there unfortunately. We do find it in some translations in the book of Psalms. Leave it to the poets to put into words some of the things that we're feeling. I want you to see this. This is Psalm 6, beginning with verse 1. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. 
Now, I gotta be honest, there's, this is, there's a lot of hyperbole here, there's a lot of, of uh, what I would call um, emotional language, but that idea, my bones are troubled. Yeah, I, I, think, I think we understand that, especially if you've, you know, you've popped on your news feed, you know, before you actually got out of bed, right? Bones can get a little troubled by some of the things that you read or maybe something that you hear on the radio. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. He goes on, my soul also is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? How many of you have actually said that? Lord, how long are we going to have to go through this? Yeah. Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. Now, I understand that, that this poet had a set of circumstances, a context that maybe we don't fully understand. <clears throat> um, but I think it does capture what many of us experience, this um, deep troubling, this per- pervasive sense that just doesn't seem to go away. Uh, we were talking about this as a family. It's like, it's not like you can get away from this stuff. You know, because, you, I mean, for crying out loud, you, you, you see it on your news feeds or on the radio, and then you go to the grocery store, shoot, we're still even doing it in church, right? I mean, there's this, there's this feeling about this. <clears throat> and what, I, what, I, what I, I really wanted to do was to offer something to do about it, but somehow in my, my heart of hearts, I feel like, you know, five things to make your life better seemed, well, a little weak. <laughs> I'm not sure that's really going to help anybody. I don't think there's five things that can make it better. And, and our poet doesn't, you know, share anything particularly useful or optimistic, except he does say this in, in verse 9, which I think is interesting. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. I, I find that quite hopeful. That even in spite of the circumstances, um, the Lord does hear us. And something else that I've noticed over a period of time, and maybe you have too, I don't know, but it, it seems to me that whenever I, I mean, when I really pray about something, and I'm not talking about just the arrow prayers. I mean, you know, for me, it's getting deep into my journal and really trying to process through something. The thing that I notice is that, that God does hear my prayers, <clears throat> but he doesn't necessarily change the circumstances but he does change me. And I think that's really what we're after, is that it's not what happens to you, but rather what you do in response or reaction to it. You know, two separate words there. Respond is to do something positive. React is to do something negative. And so how I respond or how I react to it is the thing that actually impacts how life is lived. And so, really, when I pray about these things, even though my circumstances may not change, I do know that I begin to change. And it often goes a lot better for me if I walk into it with that in mind. God, I don't understand why I have to go through this. I really don't like it. I would prefer not to. But if there's something that needs to change in me, then, Lord, let's change that in me. I think that's a... I think it's a sign of spiritual maturity. The other thing that I I remembered as we were kind of going along, Dan mentioned this earlier, is the fact that this is Pentecost Sunday. And there's 
two sides of Pentecost, and I want to talk a little bit about that, uh, and then circle back and talk about how it affects languishing. So stay with me here. Pentecost um, is actually part of a Jewish festival. It's 50 days after Passover. So if you're a Jew, um, this one of the seminal moments in Jewish history is when God uh, brought the children of Israel up out of the land of Egypt. Um, we we read about this um, in the book of Exodus. And uh, for whatever reason, at Easter time, you can watch the Charlton Heston version called the Ten Commandments. You know, it's that story. And 50 days after that celebration is the celebration of Pentecost. And, you know, I don't know why uh, Jewish people chose 50 days after, but what it does is it celebrates the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai, which is another seminal moment in Jewish history. This is why they celebrate it every single year. So you have Passover, 50 days later, you celebrate the giving of the law, the Torah, which defines the relationship that Israel would have with God and, frankly, defines their identity as a people group. So it's kind of a big deal. But for Christians, um, well... Let's check in with the early Christians. Let's, let's talk about his disciples at a moment called Pem- Pentecost uh, in the New Testament. Remember, Jesus has died and he, he has ascended and he has told his disciples that they are supposed to wait in Jerusalem to be clothed with power from on high, whatever that meant. They didn't understand what that, what that meant, but they're all together. They're kind of out of sight. Now remember, um, Jesus was coli- killed for political reasons, and so they're trying to keep a relatively low profile at this point, not necessarily being on the lamb, but they do probably want to uh, keep from attracting any kind of, an, of attention. And, and frankly, they're, they're experiencing human emotions. Please don't miss that. When we read the text, you, you have to un- understand there are human emo- they're real people, and they're living real lives, and they didn't read the end of the story like we, we have. But they're, um, they're experiencing those human emo- emotions, so how would you feel? Well, certainly a cert- uh, an amount of anxiety, probably a little bit of anger, and... Uh, Maybe some depression. Well, yeah, because you're grieving the loss of your rabbi. There's a, a sadness here. There's a whole bit of emotions that I think is, it's not unreasonable to presume that they're, that they're experiencing those and they're waiting for what's next. And isn't that kind of where we are right now? We're waiting for what's next. We don't really know what it is. We're trying to figure that out as we go along. Well, what's next? You know, the rabbi is gone, and maybe they're even languishing a little bit, just like us, a dwindling of drive, a dulling of delight. And for whatever reason, this is the moment when something happens. When the day of Pentecost arrived, this Jewish celebration, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So here they are, gathered, trying to keep a low profile. And this is the moment when the Holy Spirit shows up. 
And what's so interesting to me is that if they are trying to keep it on the down low, what we read in the next few verses is that this spirit actually drives them out into the street so that other people can hear them. There's no more low profile. The thing that they were attempting to do went right out the window at this point, or came right in the window, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. But the spirit shows up and, he, and it bursts the church. You know, it's a kind of a funny thing because um, God usually shows up unexpectedly. I mean, think about it. He parts um, the Red Sea just as Pharaoh ro- rolls up with his armies. That's the moment that he parts the Red Seas. He crushes Jericho's walls after seven days of parading around it. And with, you know, he shows up with a young man in the shadow of a giant, and he shows up in a den of lions or a fiery furnace. And again, here, the Spirit of God being poured out on this band of rednecks and rebels, because that's what they were. Not a whole lot special about that group. And those are the moments when we need God that he appears time and again. A friend of mine puts it this way, God's just a drama king. He likes the drama of it all. And, and today, and as I was kind of thinking about this you know, over the week, and this idea of languishing, I feel like you know, the church seems to be languishing a little bit. Um, I don't just mean Thrive Church, I mean the church in general. Uh, not everybody's feeling this way, but I, I, I think that it's, it's a general sense that we're all okay, but we're just not great. And I wonder if God is setting us up for something. I'll just be honest about that. I wonder. You know, based on the things that I read in the text and just kind of experiences in my own life and hearing stories that some of you have told me, I wonder. I wonder if God's setting us up for something. So here's, here's what I wonder. What if, you know I love that, what if, what if we don't go back to the way things were? Because let's be honest, sometimes normal doesn't really work well. What if we pressed into his presence a little bit more despite how we feel? feel okay but not great yeah that might be a clue that you ought to chase after God just a little bit a little bit harder a little bit more and what if God is calling Thrive Church to a deeper relationship with him I mean last week I, I encouraged you to press into God a little bit more and so we're going we're gonna to sing another song um We call it the response song. (laughs) But as we're singing that last song, I wonder if you might just, in your own heart, no, 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 not in your own heart. I think you ought to say it out loud. I think you ought to invite the Holy Spirit to lead you. I, I know it sounds like a simple thing, But what if in the midst of this song, you just said, Holy Spirit, lead me. Because I'm okay, but I'm not great. And I'm thankful that I'm okay. Please don't miss that step. 
I am grateful that I'm okay. I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, I'm not sick. I'm grateful that I have a job. I'm grateful that the people that I know are, are healthy and they're safe. I'm, 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 I'm okay, and I'm grateful for that, but I'm not great, and Lord, I want to experience you a little bit more. Spirit, would you lead me? Now, say it in your own language. You, you know how to do this. You're all adults. You can figure this out. Even the kids can figure this out. They know how to ask for this. But maybe you might invite him to lead you out of languishing. You might want to ask him to lead you into, into his kingdom. What does that look like right now? Lord, what do you think? Could you lead me there? Maybe you'd just kind of ask him to lead you in toward hope and, and some understanding of the things that are going on around us. You know, maybe languishing doesn't fit you right now. If, that, if, that's, if you're um, much more hopeful than that, God bless you. Please pray for the rest of us because we could really use that. You know, let us borrow some of your, your positive energy. Or maybe you're on the opposite end of the spectrum and you're feeling a whole lot of depression and sadness. And languishing would be a step in the right direction, right? And wherever you, know, you happen to be, whether you're here or at home and you're experiencing some motion, emotions, or maybe you're ignoring your emotions because it's just too painful to deal with them right now, or you're, you're languishing and you just have no desire to actually deal with some of those things. I get it. I get all of it. But as we sing, have the courage to say, Spirit, lead me. Spirit, just lead me here. And, and have the courage to say it out loud. I don't fully understand what it is about saying something out loud. Because it's not mystical or magical. I don't believe that for a moment. But I do think there is power in saying things aloud. Remember, the Lord spoke the world into existence. And we are made in his image, and so therefore we have the imprint of the divine upon all of us, and, and if that's the case, then speaking something is really important. So I invite you to, to sing, and I invite you to ask for God to lead you. Jesus, we thank you for, <laughs> we thank you for okay. And I know uh, people around the room who are in various states of okay. And I'm grateful for that. I really am. At least in, in the case of, of the pandemic, um, our congregation has been not unaffected. That would not be the right word, but I believe your hand has been, been protecting. And I'm, I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful for that. But we're not great. And Lord, you've, you've made your presence known here several Sundays in, in a row. And we are truly grateful for that as well. The Holy Spirit, I wonder if there's something else that you want to do. If there's more that you want to do, not just among us, but through us. And not just through us, but also inside of us. And I wonder that. And so, Lord, as we sing, I pray that you would hear the heart behind this song, not just the words. And I pray, Lord, that 
as a group, we would experience the heart of this song, not just the words. So would you meet with us here again? We know that you're here. We know that um, the things that you want to do, things that you want to communicate to us, I just pray that we would have open hearts and open minds to it. And the Holy Spirit, that you would lead us to whatever it is that you have in mind. And I thank you in advance for what you're going to do today. In Jesus' name, amen. 